This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to Betting Weekly Game Bet Match on the Bet Rivers Network. Welcome to Betting Weekly, your tennis podcast, brought to you in association with Bet Rivers your hometown sports book. And joining us for his weekly look at all things tennis, his former world number four and current Miami Open tennis director, James Blake. James, how are you doing? Good, thanks. Thanks for having me again. No problem, no problem at all. Uh, let's just crack on and straight into, I suppose, the biggest headline. Carlos Alcaraz winning again in Barcelona. He beat Stefano Tsitsipas in straight sets. He's in Madrid now for the Madrid Open on home soil again. Just just how good is this guy? I mean, what is he? He's still 20? It's just incredible what he's doing. Yeah, it's really amazing. And um, to see the way he moves, the way he plays, I mean, he does really everything well. There's not, um, there doesn't seem to be a weakness. And usually you find a 19, 20-year-old and there, there's still a lot of things that they they seemingly need to work on. Even if they have great strengths, there's, there's a few holes and, he doesn't seem to have those. And he's been, I feel like he's been ready for this for a while. Juan Carlos Ferrero has been helping him since he was about 15, 16 years old. And um, to have that kind of guidance from one of the, one of the other all-time greats um, from Spain um, really in your corner and, and uh, getting you ready for this kind of uh this kind of scenario that that's been a huge help, but I mean, all the credit goes to him for putting in that hard work, staying grounded the way he has and, you know, I think he he really does have the ability to be one of the all-time greats, and it's it's most likely very difficult in his situation because he's going to always be compared to Rafa, and pretty tough shoes to fill when you're dealing with one of, if not the greatest of all time, definitely the greatest clay court player of all time. So um, that that's going to be um, something that's going to be a challenge throughout his career is those comparisons because obviously he's already won one Grand Slam. If he wins two, three, four, five even he gets to seven or eight grand slams, which is already a, I mean, a obvious hall of famer. Um, people are going to say, well, is he ever going to get close to Rafa? Is he going to like, you do never want to feel like you're someone that's, that's lacking or any sort of a failure. If you get to 10 grand slams, I mean, that's, that's every kid dreams of getting there. It's just, they don't happen to come from the same country and, and be just on the heels of Rafa Nadal. Um, so I think that's going to be a big battle, but for him, I think the actual ability is there for him to be one of the all-time greats. Um, he, he does so many things well. He's got a great head on his shoulders. And just staying healthy, um, he's going to be a favorite for a lot of Grand Slam titles. And it's going to be fun to watch, especially him battling some of these other young guys like Sinner, um, some of the Americans that are that are starting to do well now, and Taylor and uh, and Francis. But um, he's got to be, right now, seem, seems to be a, a slight um, ha- has a slight head start or a little bit of a little above some of those other guys that uh, that I mentioned, even the Sitsi Passes and Zverevs and um, and teams and guys that were were in the mix to possibly win slams once the big three started to falter, um, as they are. I mean, with Ro- with Roger retiring, Rafa not maybe seemingly the same 
Um, Novak not playing great the last couple of weeks, but I, that to me is just a, a minor blip in his, uh, in his career arc. So I'm not, I'm not as concerned about that. He'll still be around and, um, at the top of the game for the next couple of years, I think. But, um, from then on, I think Alcaraz is the leading candidate to start kind of, uh, racking up grand slam titles. Yeah. I was a bit premature. He turns 20 next week or in a couple yeah. of weeks. So he's still 19, which is just incredible. I can't remember a, a teenager having this sort of, I mean, obviously Chang was a teenager when he won the French. I mean, yeah, was I mean, Nadal, be, was Nadal sadly, a teenager? Yeah, yeah sadly, the comparisons are going to be Rafa because Rafa no, won, right. uh, won the French when he was 19 as was well. 19. And right. so, um, so that right there, you're going to start more comparisons with, with Rafa because he was one of the last uh, teenagers to have that kind of success. And, um, you know, he, he, I remember when Rafa was that teenager and that talented, and I, I still felt, like I said, I, I felt like there were a couple things he could work on, even though he was so good and so talented, obviously, but I felt like he wasn't as aggressive as he could have been on the hard courts and on the grass. And he really worked to get better at that. And Carlos already to me has the aggressive mindset. He can play big points really well. He's doing, he does so many things right. Um, and for Rafa, I was one of the ones that was dead wrong. And I'll first to admit it that I thought the way he played as physical as he played, that he wouldn't be on tour after 30 years old, probably because his body would just break down. And he clearly did a great job in the gym, um, on the track, whatever he needed to do with the recovery to be, um, you know, one of the most elite athletes of all time and to actually be, uh, have a, lo a long career as one of the greats. Um, so um, with Alcaraz, I worry about the same thing. He's already had a couple little hamstring issues. Um, he plays extremely physical. He works so hard for a lot of points. He gets a few more free points off his serve than Rafa did early in his career, but he still works really hard. Um, so hopefully he's got a mentor in, in Rafa. He's got Juan Carlos there to help him, um, just manage the way he's, um, he's playing and his court sort of um, output in practice and what he's what he can and can't do and I feel like they're probably being pretty safe already um, with when he gets any sort of minor injury they're going to pull him out they're going to sit him down for a little while put him on the shelf and then get back to it so hopefully they're already making um, making that plan because as a player it's tough for you to see really long term you want to win every week you want to win every match hey, I can play this week I can play the next week I'm feel great um, it's the ones around you that have to say, wait a minute, you got to pull back for a second. Cause you know, I know you can win this, but it's not the best thing for you in the long run. You need to be ready to play this for the next 10 years, 15 years. So I think they're doing a great job so far. Um, I won't, I'll, I'll be a little, uh, a little more cautious about saying that I think he's going to be done by the time he's 30, because I think he's got, um, he's got the ability to, to have a long career as well. And, um, we'll see, I've been wrong before and I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not afraid that I, I'm sure I'll be wrong plenty more times. Yeah, I mean, just looking at the, the French Open betting, uh, Alcaraz is now favourite to mm. win in Roland Garros ahead of Djokovic. Um, Nadal is still third favourite. Of course, we, we're missing Nadal and Djokovic from Madrid. So it's going to be strange without these those two, actually. Um, Yannick Sinner is also out of Madrid through illness. What mm. do you think? You said about Djokovic a bit of a blip, but mm. do you still think he's the man to beat at Roland Garros? So I still think the man that beats got the guy that's got 14 titles. Uh, you know, I just think I said it a couple of years ago um, that I think until Rafa gives us notice, he's the man to beat, um, you know, until he says that he's not um, he's not playing it anymore or he says that he's playing it at 60 percent because he's not fully healthy. 
Um, because I, I still believe if he is trained, if he's right now being careful, staying out of Madrid and has the ability to maybe get one warm up event um, and his foot is OK and everything around him, is, you know, he's, if he comes in there healthy, the the memories he has, the the history he's got at that place, I I still put him as the favorite. And I know, you know, betting wise, that's, you know, he's the third favorite. But um, once he steps on the court there, I don't see anyone on the other side of the net that I feel like, oh, man, they're, they're definitely going to beat Rafa today or, or, you know, they've got an advantage over Rafa. If he's if he's at all healthy, um, I, I just don't see anyone having an advantage when I when I put it head to head. And Alcaraz um, and Novak, obviously unbelievable players. And, um, you know, Novak has beaten Rafa at, at Roland Garros before. So he's got that um that memory and and that ability but i still i'm gonna i'm gonna ride with him i'm gonna ride with rafa until until he says different or until he shows up there and he is i mean i wouldn't i wouldn't say right away before i see him play one match because i want to see if he's healthy and if he's healthy then he's my guy absolutely so you know i've mentioned see Djokovic nadal out sinners out but you know his illness rather than injury even on the women's side, Angeber, she's unable to defend her title in Madrid. And when yeah. we do talk, we we, t- we talk a lot about injured players. Um, yeah. Is this just how it is? Is this how it's always been? It, to me, it feels like there are more injuries to top players than there were in the past. Yeah, it's getting tougher. And I think I do think a little part of it is, um, you know, the, the game has gotten more financially stable which is great you know the players are making more money um which means their their brands are more valuable they're um they're basically running i used to equate it when i was playing to each player is kind of their their own ceo of a small business now i feel like they're ceos of conglomerates you know alcaraz is a guy that's got seven eight guys with him every week and um he's got to run that he's got to run that whole team and so um, I think uh, what they're doing is a lot of times people are protecting um, their interests. You know, you, you focus on the, the the events that are the most important to you when you can do well, when you're going to succeed. And also, if you've got a little injury, you don't want it turn into, to turn into a big injury. So you take a sort of a short term loss and you don't um, you don't make anything worse. And then you've got the long term or the fact that you can play the rest of the year. So I think some of that is smart. Some of it is protective. And the other thing I think sometimes is the fact that the courts uh I'm not sure exactly what year it was, but like in the early 2000s, they got a lot closer together and they all got a, uh, considerably slower. And with courts being slower, the points are going to be longer. Um, matches sometimes are going to be longer. And, you know, they they changed the doubles format, so that's shorter. But um, still, the singles matches are long and the points are grueling. And um, as well as people are doing with the recovery, um, there's only so much you can do to be healthy after a long five-set match when you're on a slow, gritty court even long three set matches when you've got these masters 1000s, it's one week, you're playing five or six matches and you're playing really top level tennis for five or six matches on slow, gritty courts, playing three or four, three setters in a row, you know, day back to back to back to back days. That's going to do a number on your body. So I think people are, are doing a lot more wear and tear on, or putting a lot more wear and tear on their, on their joints, on their muscles. And then they're also um, trying to protect once they do that and they realize how physical it is, they need to be uh, protecting the fact that they got to be able to play the rest of the events throughout the year. I mean, is there anything the tour can do to help players out here? I mean, obviously the way the world rankings work is pretty much, you've got to keep playing if you want to keep your world ranking high. 
Yeah, you got to keep playing. I mean, the, the, the only thing I can do, which I, I mean, it's it's probably a little more of a personal bias for me, is I would love to see more of the variety in the court surfaces the way it was 20 or 30 years ago um, when you saw guys like Pete Sampras, who was obviously one of the greats of all time, showing up at the French Open and everyone being like, well, I don't think he has much of a chance. He probably can't win at the French because it's so slow. And then you take the guys that were winning at the French, the, you know, Carlos Moyas, the Alex Gretches, and putting them on grass and saying, well, they don't really have much chance at Wimbledon because it's too fast. Carlos Moya is going to serve and stay back and everyone else has got to serve and volley. So they don't have much of a chance. And so how are they going to adjust? And then, okay, now there's something in between. There's the U S open. That's not super fast. Like Wimbledon. It's not uh, the slow grueling courts of, of uh, Roland Garros. So now who's going to be the best. Is it going to be the guys that are playing way back from the baseline or is it going to be the guys that are aggressive? And you've got that sort of mixture of um, of formats of, of different styles and everything. So if you have that, you're going to have, um, I think, some quicker points on the faster courts. You're also going to have some people that are specialists that are specializing a little more on the clay and on the slower courts. And you're going to have people that aren't playing deep in every single week. I mean, you look at Roger and Rafa and Novak. Um, they were deep every every single week. They were playing every single slam. And um so if you've got guys that are a little more specialized, they might have, you know, the Carlos Moyas might play great at the, the French Open and then have two weeks off for Wimbledon, basically. And you got time for your body to recover. So um, I think it would actually help them in the long run is to have that. And as a fan, that's again, that's my personal bias as a fan. I would love to see that. That to me is, is a ton of fun to see um, how people are going to adjust and adapt, because right now you don't need to change your game that much when you go from Paris to London. Um, and that to me is, is very different and it's possibly exactly what the tour wanted because you've got now more rivalries because the best players on each surface continue to still get to finals and semis and play each other, um, in those semis and finals. Um, but I also think as, uh, again, personally, as a fan, I would like to see, um, a little more variety in the court surfaces. Yeah, I'm with you there hundred percent, but, as a tournament director, does this give you sort of sleepless nights sort of in the run up to Miami, say, and someone big name picks up a knock and you're just thinking, oh, are they going to make it? I mean, it must be a real headache, this trend def- for, for injuries. Yeah, it's definitely a headache, but it's um, it's something you got to accept and just know that if they if they can be there, they will be there because, um, you know, I'm, uh, I, I like to think we got one of the biggest and best events of the year. Um, so players want to be there. Um, we've got plenty of prize money, uh, plenty of ranking points. So I would think people want, want to be there. And I understand though, that if, um, if they can't do it, they can't do it. I mean, we, we lost Igas Fiantek at the last minute after she hurt herself right before. And, um, uh, that's a, that's a hit to the tournament, but we want her to be healthy in the long run. We want her to come back next year and, um, and possibly get another title after she got it last year. So, um, we, we understand what's going on, but we have to hope that the, the level of the sport and the level of the game is going to be bigger than any one player that does pull out. Um, and we've seen that. I mean, we lost Iga and we still had a great event. Um, you know, we had uh, an unbelievable final with Kvitova and Rybakina and we still had, um, we still had great fans. We still had great, um, you know, great matches. So we're always going to try to still have the best, um, the best quality tennis, no matter what we may miss a player here and there, but I, I also hope the fans understand that the players are, are doing what's best, what's in their best interest to continue their careers. And we did discuss Miami a bit, but the corpse did play a bit quicker this, this year than usual. Did you have some input in that? I mean, it is, was that <laughs> the kind of 
did you kind yeah, of yeah i like just, um, just that yeah uh, i mean i definitely um have always felt like i i mean I, I know i'm a long way from being a player now but i try to always kind of advocate for the players and want to make sure that i'm doing what's what's best for them and, and try to remember um those distant foggy memories of when i was a player what i would have liked and what, it wasn't what that long ago james it wasn't that long ago <laughs> it's a long time ago what's good <laughs> for the sport and so i definitely felt like the speeding them up a little bit would be uh would be beneficial to players um it just so happened that obviously daniel medvedev who uh proclaimed that he was a hard court specialist, um, liked the courts and knew that they would be a little bit quicker and, and was very happy to see that. And, and that makes me feel good is that the players, um, the players felt really good about the way they played. I also didn't, I didn't want to make it so extreme. We, we've been getting a little bit quicker and a little bit quicker. And this, this year there was a bigger jump, but it still wasn't extremely drastic to the point where we're playing on glass. We're not playing on lightning. We're not having the guys go out there and, and have a complete serving contest and that's it. Um, Cause I think that's probably a little extreme going the other way. And I mean, I, I do remember that there were tournaments like that back in the day that were in the end of the year in the fall um, uh, in those indoor seasons where the courts were just lightning. And um, I wouldn't be opposed to that being brought back, but just not right in the middle of the year when you go from Indian Wells, which is a very slow, hard court and you're starting uh, and then Miami right before the clay court season, it doesn't make sense to put in a lightning fast court for just one week or, or 10 days of an event. So I wanted it to be faster, but not extreme. Um, and I think the players like that. I hope the players like that. Hope it was maybe a little easier on the bodies, um, especially since you're playing in some serious, you know, Florida humidity. Um, those matches can be grueling, even if even if you're only out there for an hour and a half. So um, I wanted it to be a little bit quicker, and we'll we'll probably continue with that trend next year, and at least keep it where it is. Maybe even speed it up a tiny, tiny bit, but um, but probably right around uh, where it was this year. Yeah, I seem to recall it's in Paris indoor Paris late in the season was always. Lightning, Krychek and Rosetsky, Krychek, Rosetsky, <laughs> Ivanisevich. Those guys were making their living at those events. <laughs> you, you mentioned Iga Swiatek, and and she came back last week. She missed Miami, as you mentioned, with a rib injury. She was back in Stuttgart, beating Arena Sabalenka in the final. And um, Stuttgart's a funny one because it's it's indoor clay, so it's a bit quicker. It's and it's a bit like Madrid actually this week. I've, I've been in, I've been in Madrid on Monday, um, sorry Tuesday, and. Um, what I quite like about Stuttgart and Madrid, it seems to be, yeah, they're clay, but they're quick enough because Stuttgart's indoors, Madrid's at altitude, that the power hitters can, you know, they can keep the rally short and the clay court players can get stuck in. So I quite like the sort of variation. But um, Sfionte, do you expect her now, now that she's back and she's won, do you expect her now to, to be back on top and dominate this clay court season? I do. And um, I was anxious to see how she would play in Stuttgart. I know all, all the women love playing Stuttgart. I think they all want to rack up those Porsches. Um, but, <laughs> they, uh, uh, but I think uh, seeing her back against really the top top level of the sport, I mean, I think they had nine out of the top 10 there. So, I mean, it wasn't like it was a, an easy draw and she got through it. Um, so I, I just wanted to see how her health was because that was the big concern. She's she's the best clay quarter um, in the game, um, in my opinion, kind of by a lot um so if she's if she's healthy i do expect her to be to continue being dominant on the clay um i think coco golf can make strides to get closer i think um sabalenka you know obviously she's a big hitter um and it is possible to hit through 
some of the players on clay, I don't, so I expect her to have success at Roland Garros, but I, I just don't believe she's able to hit through Iga. Um, I think Iga's defense is just, uh, just too good. She moves too well. And then she's able to turn her defense into offense better than uh, just about anyone else. So I do expect her to dominate. Um, as long as she stays healthy. And um, that that was the big concern for me going into Stuttgart is I hope she's not rushing it back because obviously when she missed Miami, I saw her there and um, it did seem like it was um, it, it was something that was pretty painful. Um, so if she's if she's back healthy now, which she proved in Stuttgart, I like her to to manage her time between now and the French Open to to get back there and to be holding that trophy again um, in Roland Garros. OK, so it is Madrid this week and next week. Um, mentioned that the altitude there makes things a bit quicker. Um, let's let's look at the women first of all, because we were talking about Sviontek. Do you expect her to win in Madrid? I mean, this is a tournament, you know, Petra Kvitova is a three-time, the only three-time champion. Arena Sabalenka's won it. Uh, who won it last year? I can't remember now. Jabor, right? Sorry? Did Jabor win it? Did Jabor win it last year? Um, Jabor. Yes, yeah, she did. Yes, she was defending champion, of course, and she beat uh, Pegula in the final, Jessica Pegula. Yeah. So, you know, we yeah. get odd results at Madrid. Yeah. Um, do you yeah. still expect Shiontek to win this? This is the one that I think she she could possibly falter. So, I mean, like you said, there's odd results there um, because of the altitude, because it's a little quicker. Um, and with her coming off winning in Stuttgart, just getting back from injury, I think there's a chance, you know, the body could be a tiny bit fatigued, you know, not ready for playing this many matches. And there are players that can hit huge there and get the benefit, the rewards of the altitude and the quicker courts. So players like Kvitova, Sabalenka, Jess Bagula, obviously having a lot of success there last year, um, able to hit her flatter ball is is a little more effective there um, in Madrid. So I think there are candidates that can beat her. I mean, Iga's probably still a favorite. Uh, I haven't looked at the betting odds, but she's probably still a favorite. Um, but there are five, six, seven players that could really give her trouble that I would say if you put them on a slower uh, clay court, you put her at Roland Garros, they, you know, of course, they still have a chance, but a much, much slimmer chance than they do in Madrid. So um, I would take the. So basically, my, my answer is I'd take the field in Madrid. And I take Iga Roland Garros um, if we're if we're talking it that way because the the field has too many options in Madrid where there are enough decent chances uh, to get to to be able to hit through Iga. Yeah, I mean, yeah, she's still a very heavy favorite. She's um, she's plus one twenty when I last looked, so just odds against. Um, and it's a longer tournament this year, Madrid. They've extended it, so there's an extra round. So yeah, maybe the fatigue, maybe. Mm -hmm. You know, she, it could could play a factor. Is there anyone you think you'd pick one or two names, maybe possible winners of the tournament, perhaps? Well, uh, Kvitova, after doing so well in Miami, and like you said, a three-time champion, she's uh, she she's a type that to me feels like when she when she feels good at a place, it can make such a big difference because she's such a heavy hitter, um, and she really goes for broke. She goes for winners, and when her serve is on and gets into rhythm. It can really cause a lot of other players uh, huge problems. The lefty, plenty of pace. Uh, that Carver out wide is really good. So um, I think if she just feels confident in there, uh, in that event where she has had so much success, I think she's someone that could be dangerous. And I would love to see Jess Bagula uh, take that one step further um, and, and win that one. She she obviously made the finals last year and um, had a great great uh, result at that time. But um, I think she's hungry to possibly win that one. So. 
Uh, and she's just so consistent. I mean, it seems like you can just pencil her into the quarterfinals of pretty much all of these. And then once she gets to the quarterfinals, hey, we'll see what happens. But I think that at this one, since she's had some success before, made the finals, uh, there's a chance she could take it a step further too. So Kvitova and Pegula, James's picks in the Madrid women's draw. How about the men's? And obviously the altitude changes things. I was seeing that, you know, it still is clay and it must be different because Rafa's only won it five times. I mean, he wins everything else, 10, 11. He's only got five wins in Madrid. Um, yeah. Who who do you fancy in Madrid? Is is, is Alcaraz the, the man to beat? Yeah, Alcaraz is the man to beat for sure. Um, so now normally I, I'd, I'd take my, um, as I told you that uh, with Nigel, I've always had Sinner as my pick and now he's out with illness. So I don't have my, I don't have my, uh, my go-to pick. So I'm going to have to go, go with someone else. Um, I, I would love to just throw maybe instead of just a one pick, maybe go with a little bit of a bucket of a country and it's going to, you can call me a Homer, but I think some <laughs> of the Americans could have some success here because this is the kind of play um, that I feel like the Americans have the chance to do well. So you could take Francis, you could take Taylor, um, even uh, JJ Wolf, uh, possibly, um, uh, Sebastian Corda um, is back now, I think. So I think any of those guys could have a little bit more success here in Madrid. And I think they all feel that, you know, they're, they're also, um, you know, some of the guys have been there since Monte Carlo, some are just coming over. Um, and so it's still early in the clay court season, as opposed to when sometimes there's a little burnout um, when it when the Americans are over there for a long time by the time they get to Paris. So um, they're still all pretty fresh. And so I, I, I want to see one of them um, get, deep in this event at least maybe even semis semis or finals uh, for one of those uh one of those americans and so it's not really picking just one but i think out of those guys i, I i'm i'm picking one to go to go really deep and and maybe even maybe even take a title um that might be a little bit of a uh, a step too far but i think semis finals for those guys is is very very attainable did you feel with the altitude in madrid that you had a bit more of a chance there yeah i did compared I, and i like playing there um I only, I think I only had maybe two or three times playing there on the clay. Um, but I, I did, I think I did well once I made it quarters and ran into Roger, of course, yeah. um, <laughs> every time I'm playing well, I, I run into him. Um, and he, 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 he shuts me down very quickly, but, um, yeah, I, I definitely liked playing there and I always felt like, okay, you know, this is my, I would rather play one of those big name clay court players in Madrid than just about anywhere else. So I felt like, okay, if I'm, if I'm up against a, a clay quarter here that's you know it's a little more even even playing field than it is if i'm playing them at i mean back then it was also hamburg a uh, place like that where i felt like i had no chance against those guys because it was so slow and and um and cold and and um i, I it wasn't it wasn't for me but uh but madrid i felt like i had a shot yeah I saw actually Ben Shelton posted on Twitter some silhouettes of him on the court. He's getting some very interesting positions with sliding and and who knows. I mean, I mean for someone like Ben, I mean he's he's still quite new new to the tour. I mean it must this must be a real learning curve for him. Yeah, you know that's so fun when you you haven't been to a lot of the events. I mean, going down to Australia, he had to get a passport to go to Australia because he had never been out of the country, and that's just a few <laughs> months. We're just a few months removed from that. So for him to be playing in Spain and Madrid, um, and then going on to um, to Rome and Paris, uh, it's just 
it, it brings back such fond memories of those uh, of feeling new everything on tour feeling new and the possibilities being all in front of you your whole career being in front of you so for him everything right now is just like gravy you know it's just so amazing and and um you're learning and you're growing and your your ranking just keeps shooting up because you don't have the the points to defend um, so I hope he's really appreciating it and enjoying it. And I think he is, he seems like a kid with the absolute best head on his shoulders. He's got a great, uh, group behind him with his dad. Um, and so I think he's, and Dean Goldfein helping him a bunch to a veteran coach. So I, I think for Ben, it should be so fun. And it seems like you can't wipe the smile off his face. And that's the, that's the way it should be. You know, that's, that's the way any kid that's going for their first time playing for, you know, tons of money, tons of ranking points and doing what they love. Um, just a year removed from being playing in college and screaming "Go Gators" and uh, and doing the Gator Chomp. I mean, you to now be to now be mixing it up with the best players in the world and being a contender for some of these uh, some of these titles. Pretty pretty crazy. Yeah, absolutely. Well, best of luck to Ben and all the Americans in Madrid, James. Thanks very much for joining us uh, as usual, and uh, we'll speak to you again next week. And uh, yeah, that's been Betting Weekly. So, of course, there are so many ways to follow us. Uh, we're on at Because We Win on Twitter and on Instagram. And uh, if you were on there yesterday, you'd have seen some of my updates from Madrid, and I'll be there uh, tomorrow as well, and, and again later on in the week. So uh, there's updates there. You can engage with us on YouTube. Uh, leave us your comments, like us, subscribe. And um, and of course, there's a podcast uh, on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you subscribe. We want to be number one uh, among tennis podcasts. I think we're the number one tennis betting podcast, but we want to be the number one tennis podcast. So that's uh, it from us for this week. Again, thank you to James. And we'll have more updates next week and more tips from Sean Calvert and myself on the rest of the women's tour. If you're having a bet on the Madrid Open, be lucky and we'll speak to you soon. Thanks for listening to Betting Weekly Game Bet Match on the Bet Rivers Network.